what's going on. Happy Tuesday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now, always available bright and early the morning after every Reds game. We are presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, the Reds started a three-game series against the Seattle Mariners at Great American Ballpark on Monday, and with just 23 games left, every game is crucial. And the Reds, well, they were fighting an uphill battle on Monday. Reds had to go with a bullpen game with three starting pitchers on the COVID IL, plus Graham Ashcraft also on the injured list. And the Reds started off with TJ Antone, the guy that just returned after two years out on Saturday night. And TJ Antone delivered with a huge start for the Reds. He threw two perfect innings, striking out three batters, super pitch efficient, and set the Reds up well. And then the Reds offense, they pounced all over Seattle Mariners starter Brian Wu. Ellie De La Cruz and Hunter Renfro had RBI singles to put the Reds up 2-0 in the first inning. And then in the second inning, Spencer Steer hit a three-run home run, number 20 on the season for Steer, and that put the Reds quickly up 5-0. Fortunately for the Reds' offense, they did have base runners in the third inning, the fifth inning, and they loaded the bases in the sixth inning against none other than Luke Weaver, and the Reds did fail to score in each opportunity. However, the Reds' pitching they somehow, someway pieced together a solid afternoon after Antone. Sam Mole was the first guy. He threw a scoreless inning. Daniel Duarte, the next guy, outside of a solo home run to Julio Rodriguez, he got through an inning of work. And then the depleted Reds pitching staff went to Michael Marriott, a guy who had a 6.93 ERA at AAA Louisville, simply just called up because the Reds had no one else that could give them any length. And Michael Marriott, to his credit, got the Reds through the fifth and the sixth inning, just allowing a solo home run. He came back out in the top of the seventh. He did get two outs, but he left two runners on base for Lucas Sims. First batter Lucas Sims faced, he hit J.P. Crawford, and that brought up AL Player of the Month for August, the red-hot Julio Rodriguez. With the bases loaded, Rodriguez had already homered earlier in the game, and Lucas Sims came through with a huge strikeout. Bottom of the seventh, the Reds got some big insurance when Tyler Stevenson ripped the double down the line. Stevenson's second double of the game, and that made it 6-2 Reds. Buck Farmer pitched a perfect eighth inning, and then Buck Farmer came back out in the ninth. He got two outs, but he left two runners on base for Ian Jabot, Alexis Diaz, uh, who's been used a lot lately, clearly was unavailable on Monday. Jabot gave up a single to J.P. Crawford, and that made it a 6-3 game. And once again, brought up Julio Rodriguez representing the tying run. And Jabot, just like Lucas Sims, came through with a huge strikeout. Reds win 6-3. Reds now 72-68 and on the season. Here's what Reds manager David Bell had to say. When you think about all the uh, subtractions from your pitching staff and everything is going on and it's a bullpen day to get what you got out of that staff today. How meaningful? Yeah, it felt uh, felt meaningful. It felt important. Of course, they're, they're all going to, but um, these are really extra special. It feels like uh, 
so many players, so many pitchers contributed. Um, even going, you know, it's been a, it, it, there's been a lot the last few days, and it feels to me like an organizational win, you know, all hands kind of on deck trying to help us get through this, this and, um, you know, preparing guys. Um, can't imagine what the AAA team is going through right now. They they got to be so short, but just some you know everyone everyone contributing, helping us get through this. So I, yeah, I think today they're all important, but today um, you know it was meaningful and and you know we can start wherever you, you'd like, but um, I just we, wanted to make sure that that was pointed out. I mean it's been it's been difficult the last few days, but we we have a lot of help. Your organizational depth obviously tested. You dipped down to a, a guy like Michael Marriott, who was on a big league mound for seven years, was about ready to hang it up. Yeah. And then how special is it what he accomplished for you today? Yeah, it was fun watching him out there. And um, <clears throat> after, you know, after he came out, um, huge smile. I mean, it's at, at some point in the next couple of days, I just want to have him take me through the, the whole journey. But um, what a what a reward at the end of it. And I, I would imagine it makes it all very worth it. Um, and you're, you're right about the, the organizational depth. And, you know, we have a guy stepping in, um, not just not just to play or to pitch. They're, they're here ready to win. And that, that's so important to us now. Do you feel like your team is, uh, Spencer talked about playing, might be playing looser. With As we go on, the games are more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that from your team? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, um, it says so much about our players. I mean, we, of course you can say it, and because we know it's important to not put pressure on yourself and, and all that, but uh, I, think, I think it comes from the connection that the players have together. Um, that helps in so many ways, especially this time of year. Um, you can do amazing things when you get along and you push each other, and you get along. You know, you, you have fun together. I, I, if, if if nothing else, I think that helps take the pressure off a little bit when you can. No matter what's happening, if you can laugh a little bit and you know enjoy your teammates. And here is what Michael Marriott had to say about what his appearance on Monday afternoon meant to him. How's it feel, though? Feels great. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's been seven years since I've pitched in the big league. So, uh, I mean, I'm just happy to be here, you know, <laughs> just uh, competing. And um, it feels good. It feels good to be in a winning clubhouse. Uh, the atmosphere down in AAA is great, too. So uh, I just I just enjoy being here. With all that in mind, is this why you hold on to the dream? Oh, 100%. 100%, yeah. I mean, obviously you have to love the game of baseball to play this long, but the guys in the clubhouse really is what does it for me. Um, I just enjoy being around the guys, hanging out, even off the field too. Uh, but definitely, it's definitely why you keep playing. You obviously, good outing, but there was some tension there. You had that two-out jam. We had runners in second, third, time run up. You had to get some big outs in this game as well to kind of keep the game where it was. Yeah, definitely. Uh that's that's all I was trying to do is you know eat up some innings and and you know put up some zeros. Unfortunately, it wasn't all zeros, but uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to do is try to try to get through some innings, help out the bullpen, and I'm glad I was able to at least get a, a couple out, uh, couple innings. Yeah. What was the conversation like? You know, the offseason, deciding to give it another year. And keep going? Uh, 
it was tough. Um, I, I, my agent kind of convinced me to go play indie ball. I, I was kind of, you know, thinking, teetering the thought of, you know, just hanging them up and going back to indie ball. I mean, thank God I did, you know. Um, and it's just crazy that the, you know, a little backstory going into indie ball. I said, I told my agent on this date if. I don't get picked up by either MLB affiliate or Mexico or Asia. Uh, I'm going to retire and go to Hawaii with my family. <laughs> so came down to it a week before the day that I told them I was going to start and then uh, start on the road and then make one more start at home and call it quits and fly out the next day to Hawaii. And the last day I had to cancel all the plans was the day that the Reds called and signed me. So. Somebody was looking out for me, um, but yeah, it was. This has been a roller coaster, but it's, it's been awesome. Is there one person or a first person you want to call and just talk about, you know, how you felt and what it was like? I mean, my wife, which fortunately she's here, but definitely my my parents. Yeah. All right. Well, mostly good news for the Reds in the wild card hunt. In a wild card, the Philadelphia Phillies still hold the first wild card spot. They've got a big five and a half game cushion. Cubs still hold the second wild card spot. They've got a three-game cushion, but then it's only now the Reds and the Diamondbacks tied for that third and final wild card spot. Diamondbacks, along with the Reds, did win on Monday. The Giants lost. The Marlins were idle, so it was a four-way tie for the uh, final wild card spot. Now it's just two, and the team the Reds are tied with the Diamondbacks. The Reds hold the tiebreaker on. They do not hold the tiebreaker on the Giants. The tiebreaker of the Marlins would be up in the air because they split during the regular season. But it's Reds, Diamondbacks, final wild card spot. Marlins are a half game behind the Reds. Giants, full game behind the Reds with 22 games to play. All right, here's myself and Trace Fowler right after the game ended on Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube. All right, Nick, that is a win. For Chatterbox Reds, I'm glad to be back. Reds win 6-3 on a game in which sometimes it looked like it was a spring training split squad edition. I got to be honest with you, Nick. Uh, we had numbers galore out there. 86, 82, 65, 70. But it doesn't matter. Reds keep winning, Nick. They just keep winning. I don't know what to tell you. They're not supposed to be doing this. You can say whatever you want. You can get mad about whoever you want to get mad at. You want to get mad at David Bell? Get mad at David Bell. You want to get mad at Nick Kroll for not having guys when there was like 30 guys hurt? Get mad at Nick Kroll. But all I got news for you is if you can't enjoy this team, what team are you going to enjoy? Nick, I'm glad to be back. Thank you for holding the fort down for quite some time there. Um, you've been doing pretty well. Obviously, yesterday was probably a tough one. But overall, did you expect to win this game? Be honest. No, I don't think there's any chance they win this game today. I mean, this was the. I guess we got to start saying, uh, let's just hope for one win in a series because it uh, that seems way. to be work. Every time we say that, it, it feels good. I mean, this is yeah a series. I said yesterday, find a way to win one game, and whoop, you won the one game they probably felt the worst about. But huge, huge job by T.J. Antone setting the tone. Huge job by the offense scoring runs early. Just that's a huge, huge, huge win. Just uh, really makes this whole week. Uh, a lot more easier to navigate. 
Yeah, I mean they all they're all magnified now, right? Like uh, it kind of feels like you have a uh, a microcosm of a game in and of itself for the season, and we're getting down towards the last inning of a game, and those are magnified, right? You make an error in the last inning, you walk a couple guys in the last inning, you hit a home run in the last inning. It's the one thing that everyone talks about after the game, right? It's the main thing, and nobody wants to talk about what happened in the second and third inning of a game. They want to talk about what happens in the eighth and the ninth inning of a game, which I understand the logic of it, but my point is that every game here on out for the rest of the season is going to be extremely magnified they are in a they are in a race for the playoffs let's face it that we've gotten to the point now where that's exactly where they're at and that's who they are and the truth is is that a month ago you could say well I don't know maybe you could argue they're going to fall off and they're not going to be a playoff team they are legitimately Nick at this point I know this isn't breaking news but they are legitimately in a playoff race you're going to be scoreboard scoreboard watching every single day every single night and there they sit right there um, tied atop, tied atop, and and, and Nick, uh, you gotta like your chances a little bit based off the remaining schedule. I I, I do understand that that doesn't ultimately factor in uh, whole like wholesome a, a guarantee to make the postseason, but uh, the biggest concern at this point is just health. I don't know how you feel, Nick, but uh, I I truly think if uh, and again T's and P's here, but uh, if if the Reds can survive COVID, I think they have a good chance, man. Well, since the Reds found out half their team was on the the COVID IL, they're two and one. I mean, I, I'm assuming it was like in the middle of the game because that's when they made the the all those roster changes was in the middle of the day on Friday, and they've they've won two two games since or three yeah. games since no three three and one right three and one yeah I miss misspoke there so yeah I mean look that's just I mean this was a survive week and so far it's a lot mm. of baseball to go they they've thrived and. Uh, you know, I think they deserve a lot of credit for. I mean, you just got to think, think behind the scenes how difficult of a situation is. I know I read an article today from the Cincinnati Inquirer talking about how the Reds have pretty much, because of this outbreak that's going on, they've pretty much removed all non-essential personnel, even some of the guys that helped them with some certain things. They they're not allowing to be around the team right now. They're trying to, uh, you know, contain the 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 sickness as much as possible. And uh, I mean to to go three and one against the Cubs and the Mariners in the middle of this, this is pretty impressive. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm to the point now where I don't want to say it's an out. Cause that's like a really, really loser's mentality of saying like, well, this was, I mean, there's only so much though that I keep thinking back on that this team can possibly withstand. I mean, with all on like with all due respect to the, to the, to the hater crowd or the crowd that wants to get pissed off on Twitter every night and scream and yell about whose fault it is. This foul, I get the frustration. I understand the pent up anger of, of, of not ultimately having winning baseball in Cincinnati from a Reds franchise, but like, again, I keep harkening back to these same points, but like <laughs> Hunter Green has been out half the year. Nick Lodolo is gone. Like Tyler Stevenson, thank God he's back, but he has been absent for most of this year. Jonathan Indy has been hurt. There's no reason under any circumstance that this team should even have a sniver, a sliver of a chance, a, a sliver. You can't even make it up to where they genuinely are in a in a real playoff race. Now, again, am I saying that you should just you should hang a banner because of it? No, but at some point perspective has to come in here. Like I was sitting on my couch today just like I mean, we got guys in here, Nick. Nick, I watch every game. I, you obviously know these guys cuz you're you're more but like I would consider myself 
probably an upper echelon person that knows mostly about this franchise. I, I know a good amount about this franchise. We got guys out there, God's honest truth, that if you don't know who they are, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's fair. You probably shouldn't know who these guys are. They, they're, they're literally just, they're just scraping and clawing, bringing guys up left and right. And, uh, I mean, we got, a, we got Marriott out here just throwing scoreless inning after scoreless inning, and I'm just sitting there scratching my head thinking, at what point does this give? Now, again, I'm not suggesting that it's going gonna, it's gonna to collapse here or anything along those lines. We had a deep fly, though, didn't we, Nick? It was the deepest fly of them all. Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer, what a guy. What a, what a guy. Are we being on? I mean, l- l- let's be honest. Matt McLean gets a lot of love. Ellie De-, De La Cruz gets a ton of love. Spencer Steer just keeps flying under the radar. Nobody wants to talk about him. Uh, one thing that I do actually do agree with with Barry Larkin from time to time is uh, that uh, Spencer Steer probably should get a little more national love. And the Deep Drive of the Day is sponsored by Deep South Commodities. 102 miles an hour off the bat, 408 feet. Julio Rodriguez tried, but he just couldn't quite get the baseball. He tried. It was a three-run bomb, making the score five to nothing. And uh, if you're into statistics and you like calculators, Cincinnati win probability went to 91.7. It's a 16% jump. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil, collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks to our friends at Deep South Commodities, John and his gang. Do me a favor. As always, Nick said this before. uh, There's two things that you can do on this show that helps us out. It helps us out, and we like to convince everybody that it actually helps out the Reds, too. You don't have to believe that, but if you you stick around here long enough, you might be convinced. You might think that it's, you know, oh, that's blasphemy, this, that, and the other. Likes equals wins. That's uh, that's just the way it's been all year long. And if you don't believe me, um, how many wins do the Reds have again, Nick? I'm I'm just going to keep asking that question. How many wins is that? 72. 72. 72. Uh, we're getting close to, to, to magic number time. I mean, we're not there yet. Not saying we're there yet, but we're getting close to it. We're getting close to it. We're probably about a week and a half away from getting out the old magic number time. Feel like uh feel like I need to do something for that. I don't know what we could do. But let's talk about the game. Um, right on the right off the top of the rip, we have early offense with an exclamation point, and that's what it felt like, Nick. Uh of course. You know, scoring runs in a game, it doesn't matter when you score them. If you score them, that's all that matters. But it felt like for a long time the Reds needed to get it going early because it just felt like that was the the, the tone that has been set for this offense throughout the past month is that they have scored some runs, um, but not many, obviously. But they've scored some runs. But whenever they did score the runs, Nick, they were seemed to be late in the game. Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. They never were able to get on the board first. It's made it difficult to kind of get ahead and, 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 and I guess, to a certain extent, build some confidence. They've done that. They've turned the corner here the last three or four days. They were able to jump on uh, jump on top of uh, Seattle early. Uh, they look more comfortable at the plate. They, they, they Obviously, they didn't strike out, but I think one time today, that's, that's encouraging. But more importantly, as always, and I guess this is a part of the reason why you don't strike out, is the takes that they had. They just they looked so much more comfortable, you know, and... and when I say takes, I'm not talking about just walking. I'm talking about just genuinely a pitch that's low or in a pitch or that's just high or just off the plate. They weren't like they weren't diving at the ball. They they didn't look like they were even considering swinging. And that's when you know people are locked in more times than not is just the way they take a pitch, much less the way they look when they hit a ball. So I don't know what you felt or how you felt about this game, but their takes looked really good today. Yeah, I mean Ellie De La Cruz walked 
twice, uh, also was hit by a pitch. Um, Ellie was on base, uh, had three hits on uh, uh, the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday. So good to see Ellie coming around. Tyler Stevenson really hitting the ball hard. Two doubles today. That's great to see. A uh, guy that probably won't show up in the box score, though, Ellie Marte hit the fourth hardest ball in the Red stat cast history. I, I continue to be really impressed with what he's doing, even if the results haven't been there. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, Spencer Steer, just that that huge home run. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's back-to-back days. The Reds jumped on a pitcher early in the game uh, after just it felt like every single night they were getting dominated by the starting pitching. They had a couple games where they – they've had several games where they, like, finally came to life late in the game. But it was nice yeah. to see them be able to jump on a starting pitcher. Um, and uh, the Reds are going to need this offense. You know, obviously this week you have just the dire situation with the pitching staff. But even when the, the pitching gets back to relative health, you can't expect them to keep night after night after night, you know, putting up great performances. You're going to need some games where your offense carries you just right. a little bit. And uh, right. definitely a, a positive sign for the Reds. And they got some some bad teams coming up. Hopefully they can continue to, to bounce on some, this guy wasn't even a bad pitcher, but, but some of the bad pitchers they got coming up. He wasn't a bad pitcher, but he did make mistakes today. Right. And, and, and that's the thing that was nice to see is they capitalized on his mistakes and he, he, what, for whatever term you would like to use, he just didn't have his command. He hit a couple guys on the foot, put it this way. If I told you the reds got hit four times, I think it was four times. They could, they couldn't have gotten hit better four times like they, I guess Noel they got hit pretty good on the elbow but he had a he has an elbow guard the, the rest of the guys I mean it scuffed their shoe a little bit they might you know it, not that I suggest doing this but if you just take your foot right now and you just bang it on the ground a little bit like a little toe tap I'm assuming that's pretty much how they all felt um so shout out to him for not hitting our guys hard but putting them on base and then like I said before they they, they took advantage of it and they hit some balls hard I mean Noel they hit a ball really hard um it was just right at the shortstop and Unfortunately, that happens from time to time. But Tyler Stevenson, I think, is the guy that I'm drawn to right now. I know Ellie had a great day. I'm not trying to overlook him. He, he did have a great day. But Tyler Stevenson's a guy that if he gets going, and it, I, you know, here's the thing with Tyler. I've obviously been incredibly critical of Tyler all year long, and I think it's been rightfully so. I, I don't think that I – it's not like, oh, look at Trace. He's, 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 he's taking back what he said. What, what I'll say with Tyler is this. If Tyler Stevenson ever thinks he's going to be a power-type guy – and he gets into this pull happy mode where he feels like he's got to fit in with whatever the the metrics and all these people say that he should be or he needs to be, I don't think he's ever going to have success in the big leagues. If he goes back to what he's been doing lately, which is just hang out over the plate, shoot the ball in the right field, and he almost hit one out today, and, and, and unfortunately it obviously hit the top of the fence, but that's who he is at the end. Of, I mean, at the end of it, that's who he is. Yes, he pulled a ball down the line, but more times than not, Tyler Stevenson, and I don't, I hate using the term a slap hitter because it's a negative connotation. People like look at that as a, but in a way, that's what Tyler Stevenson is. He's a doubles guy, and obviously he's a guy that can that can get on base if if again his approach is appropriate. And I just don't know for the longest time if he's a if he's allowed this psychological uh, warfare of what he's supposed to be or what people want him to be versus what he actually is. And if the Reds will allow him to be who he just actually is, I think he'll be serviceable. I really do. Now, you can sit here and argue, and I would, I'd would, i have to agree that the defense is eventually going to catch up to him. But here we are, and I'm tired of really – one last thing I want to say about Stevenson. 
kind of tired of people beating him up every single time there's a missed call. It's not his fault every time. Okay, just because he has bad framing rates and his numbers don't look good and he does do a poor job of framing, there's times where these umpires can't miss calls. Like, there was a couple of those pitches today, Nick. Like, that's not on Tyler Stevenson. I mean, the guy just missed the call. It's, it's, it's literally the whole ball is in the zone. Okay, you can't miss that. So, I'm not going to keep banging Tyler Stevenson every single time one of those pitches don't go our way. He, he is a big frame. I don't think it helps. But at, at the end of the day, like you've always said, Nick, it's the umpire's job to get the call right no matter who's back there, right or wrong or indifferent. Um, so shout out to Tyler Stevenson because I'm not saying he's carrying our offense right now, but he's certainly been a reason, a big reason, as to why they've looked different the last few days. This might be a little bit of hyperbole, but but Tyler Stevenson also feels like the kind of guy that when you get in some of these really tight games, he, he's just the kind of hitter that you know can can hit the ball in the gap. It doesn't doesn't need to hit a home run. You know what I mean? Like like he can get some of these, you know, more manufactured type runs, drive those in. Uh, and so look, Renzi, any offensive contributors they get, he's been huge of late. Uh, I, I I think this might be sustainable, and it's not been a bunch of blue pits. I I know shout out um uh, uh branded on Twitter. Uh, Tyler Stevenson's hard hit rate since August first was top ten in baseball. So, so this is a, hasn't been a whole bunch of cheap pits. There's been a lot of you know good contact, and uh, he's made some adjustments. And uh, man, if he can be hot in September, it, it really I think changes the Reds' offense at least to some degree. Yeah. Before we get into Anton, which he delivers, or he he deserves a a a, a nice segment here. Uh, Craig, who did an excellent job filling in here the last few days, uh, pointed something out on Twitter. I had made the comment that hitting is contagious, and it, it, without question is. And when it's contagious, it can be contagious in a good way, and it, it can be contagious in a bad way, right? Um, and it felt like yesterday, and, and Craig pointed out it was a few days. He thinks it's a few days before yesterday. But yesterday, although the Reds lost, the way they started to really put at-bats together and, and square balls up, and, and find ways to score runs, it felt like that was the start of something that bled into today. Um, so, again, you know, it, it's uh, it's great when you win, and obviously it kind of masks all of your problems. But yesterday, I know everyone was upset, and I don't say everyone, but there was some people upset about that loss yesterday. And I was encouraged by the loss yesterday, uh, more so than defeated, just because I felt like this offense, which is which is something we need, in order to make the postseason, you need this offense to wake up a little bit. You can't continue to win baseball games three to two, two to one, walk guys off in the bottom of the ninth when you've only given up two runs. You know, I mean, that's the type of stuff that's just not sustainable. It's nice to see the offense uh, kind of get back on track. TJ Antone, I'm gonna let you start this off because I, um, I think I'll be long in the tooth if I get going on this guy. Just what a what an awesome story and. Uh, I'll be honest, when the Reds called up TJ Anton, I was like, man, this is a really cool story, but I really hope it's not one of those those things where the Reds are just, you know, bringing him up because he, he looked okay in AAA. I know he looked pretty good at the end. Really didn't know what you were getting out of him. Man, today he looked just awesome. Um, stepping into this role where the Reds are just, their pitching is just depleted right now. Uh, I, I don't know if I can remember a time where the Reds pitching was was this dire. And for him to come out and throw up two zeros, just heroic stuff. I mean, that's great. Maybe I'm, I'm jumping too far. I kind of look at this and I say, hey, let's let's ride him out as an opener a couple more times. He looks comfortable in this role. Um, you're you're going to have 
probably Ben Lively is going to be starting, and they've used an opener with him before. It seems like he'd be perfect with that. They're probably going to have to use um, Lion Richardson or someone else again. I, I would love using Anton as an opener a couple times a week. I, I, I just think he looks really comfortable in that role. Um, he's a guy that that can have some really pitch efficient innings. That, that can maybe sneak you through two, maybe even three when he gets a little bit more stretched out. Uh, man, I just I just love what he brought and uh, just a big-time performance today. So here's the thing about TJ. Um, I don't know if people really understand what he did. I mean, I think people just say, oh, it's a cool story. To blow your arm out twice like that and to even – to even decide in your mind that you want to try to come back from that again is a whole it's that in and of itself is courageous okay if if TJ decided that that he wanted to just come back again and he and he worked hard to try to get it back and it just wasn't there he's throwing 88 miles an hour topping out at 88 all the things that you, you, you could come to expect on the second Tommy John that would have been at least that would have been admirable that would have been impressive. But the idea that this guy not only had the 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 the, the fortitude to, to push on when, quite frankly, the statistics for him to even get back to pitch today was so small. I mean, it was so small. Not only do you have to get back, but you have to be good enough. You have to be good enough to still get a chance to even pitch again. Um and maybe he'll never be the same guy he used to be because I'm telling you right now, TJ Antone, when he, when he, and he might be, I'm not downplaying what he can do, but he used to be just absolute nails. I mean, the guy was an unbelievable arm. But the thing that I wanted to point out with this guy is this the way he came off the mound in the first inning tells you everything you need to know and exactly why he was able to come back from TJ in the first place. He, he's Graham Ashcraft-esque, or maybe Graham Ashcraft is TJ Antone-esque. I, I don't want to say one guy's the other. They're just competitors. And you know what? At the end of, at the end of all of it, I know that this isn't the one thing that you have to like uh, live with or die with. Of course, you can have kind of free-flowing guys that, that don't get fired up, that pitch really, really well, and I'm not downplaying that at all. But when I when I watch a game, I can live with losing with a guy like TJ Antone. I can live with losing with a guy like Graham Ashcraft. Those guys are just competitors at heart. They want they just they just want to win. It's not about it's not about the way they look. It's not about what their stat line is. And I'm not saying that the rest of the team doesn't have this, because they do. But those two guys in specific, and TJ specifically today, you could just tell he was out to prove a point, and he was all in. He was all in. And you know what? He might get hit hard the next time he goes out there. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I know this might sound like, uh, you know, um, maybe not the way that you should go about it. And I'm not, I don't ever consider myself a journalist anyway, so who gives a rat's ass what I, what, what, what I think or say? I'm not getting on TJ Antone for the rest of his career. There will not be a damn thing that guy can do to where I'm going to say anything bad about him. Because you, you just... You just can't care more than he cares. You can't want it more than he wants it. You might sit on your couch and be like, oh, yeah, you get mad at somebody for doing something. TJ Antone lives and breathes and dies by what he did today. That's his life. In order to come back from what he did, he made it his life to get back to that. And anybody that puts themselves through that much struggle to have success or give themselves to have a chance, I'm not, I will not say a bad thing about him, ever.
Not a single thing. That's how much I respect TJ Antone. And I think the rest of the people should respect what he did. And, and, it, and it shouldn't have, I, I guess, to a certain extent, it requires him to throw the ball well for people to appreciate what he did. But even if he doesn't, doesn't throw the ball well, you should still at least acknowledge what he's done. And I'm not suggesting that you need to be a pushover, this, that, and the other. You know, I would hope that if you watch this show long enough, you know that I'm not that kind of guy. But there are different there are different types of circumstances for different people. And uh, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate TJ Antone and what he did today and 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 honestly the way that he goes about his life. So that's the that's the as uh, much as I could possibly say about one one guy that's on this Reds team. Yeah, and you also should point out he's lost about two miles an hour on his fastball. So he's doing this without that same fastball that he had, without the same velocity that he had uh, back in 2021 when he was just almost as dominant as about any Reds relievers I can remember. Man, in 2021, he was absolutely electric, and, and he could go like up to three innings at a time, which is just why you know he could be a huge weapon. And look, he may come back crashing down to earth, and that would be completely understandable, and I think he deserves all the grace in the world if that happens. But for what he did today... Big time. And 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 uh, the, the second game of that doubleheader. Remember, he threw a scoreless eight, and the Reds came back and won the game. Yeah, so he that's did. Two huge, that's two huge performances right in the middle of a, a pennant race. Uh, coming back and haven't pitched in two years. That's that's awesome stuff. Oh, it is. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, you got bullpen game. Um, I mean, what... <laughs> Okay, Chase, well, what else imagine, is there to say, dude? What do you want me to do? Could you, you imagine? To... Could you imagine if if the Reds were facing Michael Marriott and, and this guy gets two and two thirds innings, almost made it through three innings, only one run, guy with an ERA of almost seven in AAA. The X.com app would have been burning to the ground. These frauds, they can't hit. That's amazing. You know, Randy brings up a good point. He he says when you play behind a guy like Antone, it it, it makes you want to run through a wall. Listen, I I, I do think that uh, I, I I do think that that matters a little bit. I think I think that uh, guys' emotions can spew over a little bit, right? And now now it doesn't it doesn't uh, it can go both ways, right? I, I I definitely think it can go both ways. If if uh, if you're always if you're always overly passionate and you take out negativity and you struggle a little bit and it's always negative or you're slamming bats or throwing your glove and doing all that type of stuff, it can spew over and be a negative. It's obviously a positive if you're if you're playing well and you and you pour out that emotion. Um, I, I think sometimes that stuff does get a little over sold about how much people care this that, and the other i mean they all care i mean let's be honest in order to be in order to be even on that field you've dedicated a lot of your life to a sport i mean you've sacrificed a lot of things in your life to be able to be that good at one thing no matter who you are um so i don't want to sit here and act like you know oh there's tj and graham ashcraft care about more care about it more than you know christian encarnacion strand just because christian encarnacion strand doesn't scream and yell I guess my main point to the whole thing was that there is a little bit more competitive edge, competitive juice to some other guys, and I think those two guys definitely have it. Uh, in regards to the bullpen, fairly, go ahead. Fairly too. I mean, fairly yeah. in the same boat, you know, right now. Oh, he's got a broken leg, broken toe. He's got a broken, broken toe. I don't want to. I don't want people to actually think he's got a broken leg. That's a joke. But my point is, is that uh, he's been unbelievable too. I mean, Jake Fraley, man, we. This, this season, this season, when you sit down in January 
to think back on this season. Right now, when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to it's hard to really put it in context, right? Like we're in the we're in the middle of a race. We're mad at we're mad at guys for not performing. We're happy about guys performing. We're just fans. That's who we are. We're fans. At the end of the day, that's what we are. We we love this team. Live and die by them. But the thing is, is like when you when you just take this in a little bit, uh, and I, I think it's okay for us as fans to do that. I, I don't think that obviously in the clubhouse they should be doing that because they have a game to play tomorrow and they need to they need to not be worried about what the overall season looks like. But sometimes as a fan, you're not playing in the game, so I just sit back and I think to myself, is this even? I mean, is this real? Is this real? Uh, do me a favor, Nick. I'm going to give you a minute. I'll buy you a little bit of time. Give me the numbers. I want the numbers of all the guys that threw today for the Reds. Give me the numbers that they have. I know you're a numbers guy. I know you, you're you're just the guy for this job. You know everybody's numbers. Um, do that. They got to have that on on some kind of uh, website, right? You mean like they're like season long ERA? No, no, no. Their legitimate number on the back of their uniform, Nick. Their number. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to know what their numbers are. I mean... All right, so I, I got it right here. Uh, so, Jabot, 79. 79. Uh, Mole, 50. 50. Anton, 70. 70. Buck Farmer, 46. Okay, that's a good one. Michael Marriott, 86. 86. Was that everyone? Did I miss anyone? Duarte, 77. Okay, guys. Let's let's call it what it is. Those guys that have those numbers, more times than not, they're just given those numbers. This is a spring training. It looked like a split squad game out there. I'm being honest. It looked like it looked like half of our team was over in, 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 in and I know they're not in Glendale, but half our team was in Glendale, half our team was in Scottsdale, and that's just what we had today. You're just gonna throw those guys out there. We're out here. We we got we got we got guys throwing in a playoff race. That that genuinely don't even don't even have their numbers that they're gonna ultimately want if they stick around in the big leagues. They're just they're just been given these. It's it's unbelievable. It makes no sense. Don't let that go by you. Don't don't be a fan and be like, I mean, just appreciate it is all I'm saying. I'm just telling you, this is ridiculous. This season is an absolute joke of a joke. I'm here for it though. I think. There's only four pitchers on the Reds' entire staff that were on the opening day roster right now. Diaz, Sims might not have been on the opening day roster. I can't even remember. But Diaz, we'll, we'll call Sims. You know, Diaz, Sims, Jabot, and uh, Farmer. Oh, and Lol too. But I mean, just look up and down. Abbott, Spires, Phillips, uh, Mole, Anto, Duarte, Shreve, Legamina, Marriott. Like none of these guys were even on the radar. Or, or even in the organization back in April. I don't think Sims was on the opening day roster. I don't. I think I, Sims I think was, he was hurt. hurt. Yeah. yeah, Sims yeah. was hurt. I mean, I, what? A, <laughs> all right, what a joke. I mean, it's great. Uh, it's great. But to sit here and think that that, it, that this is sustainable, it's not. But at the same time, survive in advance. Give yourself a chance, and who knows? Maybe we find a little lightning in a bottle. We we really only need. One week to play above our head. We need one week to play above our head, right? Like when I say I play above our head, you you win five of the seven. You win six of the seven. Dare I say you win seven game winning streak? I don't want to go that far, but you know, it's all right in front of us. You, the Reds could legitimately be one decent win streak away from making the playoffs. Yeah, like that's not hyperbole. Like you win five in a row, you're you know. 
you're going to be in almost control. It's wild. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, all right. I don't know if we go to what's next right now. I think let's do that just for the sake of uh, for the sake of our, our podcast. Um, let's do who, what, when, where, and why, and um, we'll keep it moving. All right. Well, tomorrow Reds are going to need some more magic. Uh, maybe a little easier. I don't know. Who who knows at this point? Uh, for the Mariners, will be Bryce Miller. He's a rookie, second straight night. The Reds will be facing a rookie. He was a, a fringe top one hundred prospect. He was like ninety seventh coming into the season. Uh, struggled a little bit of late. He's got a 5.40 error of his last two starts. He's really kind of had some some great moments and some some rough moments this year. Four starts a season trace where he's allowed six plus earned runs, but he also has 11 starts where he's gone five innings and allowed one earned run or less. Fastball sits about 95, slider at 87. Also has about four other pitches, but primarily with just fastball and slider. And then for the Reds, it'll be the debut of Connor Phillips, the number 70 prospect in Major League Baseball. He was, of course, the player to be named later in the trade that brought Jake Fraley and Brandon Williamson to the Reds for Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Waker. So certainly Connor Phillips is going to be motivated tomorrow. Uh, you can be sure of that. Phillips, 154 strikeouts and 105 innings pitched this season. That's a 13.2 K per nine rate. Struggles of time with walks, though. Uh, walks per nine, almost at five. Last start at AAA was fantastic. Six innings pitched, three hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts. But the one thing that scares you about Connor Phillips, as much talent as this guy has, and it, it is as talented as any pitcher, maybe in the Reds organization, outside of Hunter Green. Six starts this season where he's got seven outs or less, including two in August where he didn't make it out of the second inning. So there's been times where um, the Reds have that 35-pitch limit per inning um, where in the minor leagues they have like that hard count. So, again, maybe in the big leagues that wouldn't happen because maybe they let him throw 40 pitches, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm uh, – Excited and terrified to watch Connor Phillips tonight, tomorrow, if I'm being honest. I, I Trace, I don't think the Reds wanted to bring Phillips up this year. You know, we talked with um, um, losing it. No, Louisville, Louisville broadcaster. Yep. Yeah, Pittsburgh broadcaster. But yeah. And um, Jack McMullen. Sorry. Sorry, Jack. Uh, but Jack, I mean, made it very clear. He didn't think it was a good idea to call him up. And then you, you saw a couple of, of Phillips' starts where he didn't make out the second day at Louisville. And you're like, okay, yeah, Jack probably knew what he was talking about. But the Reds are in a dire situation that, you know, you really didn't yeah. have a choice. Um, I'm assuming the Reds are probably going to make another move tomorrow. I'm assuming Marriott's out. A good look figuring out who comes up because Stout's not on normal rest. He would be on three days rest if they call him up. I can't imagine they're calling him up on three days rest. So, I don't know, someone in their bullpen just to get an extra arm up here for Marriott. Um, I mean, a little bit better of a situation to tomorrow for Phillips if, you know, God forbid he does go short. Uh, Diaz didn't pitch today. Law didn't pitch today. Um, Sharif didn't pitch today. Legamina just got caught up, didn't pitch today. And then, of course, I think the Reds will have another pitcher tomorrow. So, but, uh, man, he's got a chance. He, hey, look, he's got a chance to just add his name to the legacy of guys that have <laughs> – contributed out of nowhere this year well you're stealing wins you steal a win today it feels unbelievable like I guess you know to put things in perspective 
uh, outside of gaining a game on the Cubs, right? If if uh, if the Reds, and I was thinking about this today when I sat down and watched the game, I was thinking, you know, if they could just find a way to somehow win this game, because uh, it felt dire. I mean, I felt I felt a little dire to me before the game started, if we're being completely honest. Um, but I was like, if they could find a way to win today, imagine how you would have felt going into today if they were to lose, but they took three or four from the Cubs, right? It's like you you you'd feel great, and. Maybe I feel the same now that they they took they took care of Seattle, but I don't know. I don't know if you do. I don't know if you do. I, I but it's the same. It's the same outcome outside of obviously gaining a game on the Cubs. And at this point, I hate to say this, but we're in a position now where we kind of have to root for the Cubs, like it or not. That's what we need to do. I mean, the Cubs. I'm not saying you can't catch them, but the chances of catching them are pretty small. It's pretty small. They have they have a series against the Giants now. I hope they sweep the Giants. That'd be great. And then I think they play. Uh, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong. Then I think they play the the D backs um, coming up after that for a four game set. So it, it, as crazy as this sounds, I'd almost. I mean, if you told me right now the Cubs could just win out and take and sweep the Giants and the D backs, which isn't going to happen. I would take it. And I know people hate the Cubs, and I hate them just as much. Trust me, it burns me. But at the end of it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if the Cubs finish ahead of us by one game or ten games, it doesn't matter. It's it's irrelevant. What really does matter for us at this point is the Giants and the Diamondbacks. And I guess... I, I guess we still obviously keep up with the Marlins. Uh, I don't want to... I don't want to overlook them. So, <clears throat> I don't know how you feel about that whole situation, but I... I don't want to say I'm going to root for the Cubs because that sounds gross and disgusting, but I'm not going to be mad if the Cubs win. As long as the Reds win, I don't think it matters as much between the Cubs and Giants. But if you lose, it it if you lose, you want the Cubs to win. If if you win, I think it's okay if the the Cubs lose, and you kind of keep giving yourself more opportunities. But if you lose, you, you have to root for the Cubs. So that's kind of, I guess, where I'm at. Marlins, though, looking at their schedule coming up, it's tough. Dodgers. Phillies, Brewers, yeah. Braves. It's tough. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll be the one that wins. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it, yeah. It, it makes no sense. You never know how it goes. Like you said, maybe the Marlins end up taking that last spot. It would be shocking if they did, based off of who they have to play. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We greatly appreciate all of the love and support. If you have not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, well, what are you waiting for? Do it right now as we have new episodes available bright and early the morning after every single Reds game this season, just in time for your daily commute, your morning coffee, or however else you get your day started. And also, make sure that you're subscribed to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so you can join us live after every single Reds game this season and be a part of the conversation. Hit the bell and turn on notifications also so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. We hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds.